Hello, and welcome to The Jam. This is for when your life and your toast are a little dry. I'm Joanne. And I'm Maddie. And together we make The Jam. And we're excited to sit here and chat with you. So grab a cup of something delicious. Enjoy the show. (laughs) Hello, everybody. Uh, We have a very special guest today on our Vocation Part 3 uh, podcast. We have my husband, Dave. Yay. Woo! Shout out to Dave. So we are gonna, well, Maddie, do you want to have him just talk or do you want to like ask him questions? Uh, we could do a combination. I think maybe we just have Dave start telling his vocation story. And as we think of questions, just like insert them in kind of like we did for each other. Okay, that works. I don't have any questions prepared for Dave. Do you? I mean, I could think of some questions. Like, I'm thinking of, like, college Joanne. What would she have wanted to know about, like, guys and... Oh, they, yeah. You know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe we ask some of those, too. That could be fun. Okay. Okay. So, Dave is here, and he is going to kick us off tonight um, with our episode. Uh, talking, just giving his our vocation story i guess from his perspective you don't have to go into all the details because i've already told them a little bit about it but um anyway share what you want open your heart to us all right well dave how do you feel about being the very first guest on the jam i just want to call that out feels pretty good that's good Dave, when you and, as a side note, when you and Joanne were getting married, I was like, we're not going to be the jam anymore. It's going to be, it's going to be the dadge or the jad. This is dumb. It doesn't even make any sense. Jammed? Yeah, jammed is good. It's jammed. Mad J. What'd you say? Mad J. Mad J? Mad J, yeah, that works too. Maddie and Dave, Joanne. Joanne. Well, the two become one. You guys are the same person. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Anyway, sorry, Dave. Just felt the need to call out, call that out. Anyway, yes. So back to the news. I was born in the winter of nineteen ninety-five. Skip ahead. And many years later, I started to discern my vocation. Probably like late high school, I started going to some priesthood things in the diocese. Just the vocations office would sponsor. You know, there would be a talk, there might be a retreat. I felt it was the proper thing to do to discern the priesthood. I didn't really think a whole lot about marriage. I didn't really know how to think about marriage. Didn't know how to think. Did you hear that pause? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cut it right, Cut it right. right there, Joanne. Sorry, Dave. Being an internal processor on a podcast. If you talk about your introvertness one more time this evening, I'm going to lose it. Did you hear that? Is that a turtle? Keep going. People don't want to hear this. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah. So I went to different vocation events and I was discerning the priesthood and I was liking what I was hearing. I was liking what I was seeing. You know, priests, priests are great. A lot of self-sacrifice, live entirely for the Lord. Good stuff. I didn't know if I was called to be a priest. So I did some praying, did some retreating. And on a retreat, I was reading, I think the baptism in the Jordan. I was reading that. And 
the miraculous catch of fish. I was reading those two gospels, meditating. It was a three day silent retreat. Wow. Only one I've ever done. It's great though. Um, and I was reflecting on the gospel and I felt that I heard the Lord say, if I call you, you can do it in response to Peter saying like, you know, go away from me, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Mm. Uh, I read that. And then I thought about like, you know, Peter not feeling worthy to be a priest, not feeling worthy to be called. And then I felt the Lord saying to me, if I call you, you can do it. Now that was really nice. It wasn't super helpful because it started with the word if. I'm like, well, well, geez, Lord, I still don't know if you're calling me to be a priest. It's not super helpful. It's not like when I call you or I am calling you and you can't do it. Right. Now at this point, you know, this is, we fast forwarded a little bit. I think I'm in like sophomore year or something. I'm about to go to Austria in the spring of 2015 to study abroad. And at this point I'm thinking like, okay, well the priesthood's cool. I could be called to be a priest. It might be a pretty good life. You know, I had read some books and I thought that I could do it, but still wasn't sure if I was called. And then I realized, you know what? I don't really know what a good Catholic marriage looks like mm-hmm. because my mom is, you know, fairly devout, but my dad isn't really religious. And, you know, everybody's got marital problems. They had some, but regardless, they Except didn't really you guys, try to no marital problems. Sorry. What? What's up? I said everyone has marital problems except for you guys. That's except for us. Yeah, we just argue. That's true. On the air. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Everyone has marital problems. And then you started saying. Some could see it as an asset. That we communicate we super effectively. Argue? Yes. I don't know if. We communicate so well that we entertain other people. Is communicating well. I'm making a joke. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I realized I didn't know a whole lot about. Christian marriage, even after I had taken a class on Christian marriage. Not helpful. (laughs) Uh, So I took a walk with the priest that I knew and told him things. And he said at the end, hey, have you thought about dating? (laughs) And I said, oh, no, I guess I haven't thought of that. He's like, you should try it. (laughs) He's like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So in the determined man that I am, but still being the awkward fish of a man that I was, I set my sights towards marriage in my classic awkward fashion. So I went back to Franciscan after that semester, and I proceeded to ask many women out in rapid succession. I'd asked somebody out in Austria, practically. We went on one date, and then I, I told her I was interested and she wanted to remain friends. And we are still friends. Um, I didn't really know how to do that. Went back to campus. And I basically had in the the middle of my mind, not the back, not the front. Like, okay, you know, if you encounter a woman, she's attractive. You know her a little bit. You know, keep that in mind. Ask her to hang out. See where it goes. You know, so I was trying not to be too, like, gung-ho about my vocation. Because I know that's already a huge problem at Franciscan you know people ask each other out for coffee and they think that they want to get married yeah <laughs> I'm trying not to do that not to overthink things which is my forte mm. um and so I was like okay well you know if if I see an opportunity 
I'll jump on it. I'll learn a little bit more about this life. If not, not a big deal. I'll try to be patient. So I ended up dating a girl who I barely knew. I had only really known her for a couple of weeks because I was doing that thing where you just kind of sit with random people in the cafeteria who are sitting alone. Uh-huh. <laughs> I never Maybe did not- that to be, so you all know, for full disclosure. But I did it. Um, yeah, so I had known her for like two weeks. We dated for all of six weeks. And halfway through, I realized that I really didn't like her that much as a person. We just, like, didn't get along well. She kind of annoyed me. Maddie. This was a great problem. I'm just watching you laugh silently. (laughs) Because I, like, saw this happen from, like, a very long distance away. Wasn't it with you when we saw Dave, like, dropping that girl off? I don't know if it was with me, but... No. I, th- I think w- one of my friends got asked out by Dave at one point. This was not Emma. What? This was not Emma. Okay, then I'm okay. Then I then no, never mind. I don't know this story. Continue. Oh, I saw her. Dro- I saw him. We. I was with somebody that knows Dave, and we saw him drop this girl off because she lived in Marion, and we were like, "Oh, Dave's with a lady," because we couldn't believe it. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Dave. It was nice. But then, you know, I talked to one of my friends, one of my household brothers, Matthew, and I was like, hey, I got a problem. Like, I realized that I don't like this girl. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't want to be a jerk. Yeah. And I don't know what possessed me to do this. I guess I I just thought that, like, I was going to be wonderful at explaining things or something. It was her birthday. We were hanging out outside the gazebo, a romantic spot. Oh, yes. And I basically told her how conflicted I was that I was dating her, but I was becoming less attracted to her. I think I phrased it that way, and I thought that would make her feel better. It's classic. Definitely not. Definitely not a good idea. No. That for me. But I don't feel that I have to explain that to our audience here because... They I, think I just didn't have that at that point. Mm-hmm. So I broke up with her. She refused to speak to me for a while. We, Which we, I kind of get. I mean, I would have done the same. Right. Yeah. We, it was on her birthday. I profusely and we cleared up everything. And then she continued to refuse to speak to me. So that's a loose end that I really tried to tie up, but I was a jerk. Anyway, so that happened. And then a few months, no, I don't know. Maybe it was like six months later. I started dating someone else. This is your friend. We dated for three and a half months. And that, that actually really helped me discern my vocation because I really, you know, I really liked her. We got along pretty well, but there were some, you know, underlying differences that we had. We just kind of saw the world differently. You know, at times it felt like we were speaking a different language. And I thought that would be okay, but it led to both of us questioning the relationship very frequently. Um, You know, often it would start with her. She kind of like felt anxious about where things were going. And I just kind of tried to like talk her out of it and save it. Mm -hmm. But in the process, I was denying that there were some red flags there. You know, like, okay, we're, we're fundamentally different people in a way that isn't always complimentary. Mm -hmm. We just like, 
don't really understand each other as well as we could. Mm-hmm. And people were kind of noticing that and telling me that in the most charitable way. Yeah, they were terrible for each other. <laughs> yeah. They weren't telling me things like that. And that was before <laughs> that was before I really liked him. So that is pretty objective. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, people people would say things like, "Oh, you know, I didn't really see you guys together." I'm like, "Yeah, well, uh, we're together." So Deal with that. it. <laughs> but yeah, then I started to realize that there were kind of some issues. Um and I still was trying to like fix things, mm-hmm. which is the best attitude for the man to have in a relationship anyway, even though it's his natural inclination. Mm-hmm. You know, often what's needed is more uh, empathy and listening. And so I was trying hard to fix things. And then at some point through that process, she broke up with me. She had a conversation about it and it was mutual. It ended up being mutual. Mm-hmm. She definitely created it. So we broke up. I was, I was feeling pretty decent like not necessarily about that but about my vocation like okay you know this dating stuff it's worked out pretty well like i had met her family mm-hmm. and that thing we weren't like heavily talking about marriage but we like were open to it mm-hmm. and it finally seemed like something that was beginning to get clearer for me like mm-hmm. okay i can kind of see what this can look like you know i've seen a little more of catholic couples i've dated and so I was reeling from that relationship for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden, Joanne popped into my head. <laughs> like a bolt of lightning. Now, I mean, I had known Joanne for a couple of years before that. We worked together on the liturgy committee in the chapel office. Um, and I initially saw Joanne as a substanceless extrovert who makes dumb jokes all the time. I'm like a hermit crab with no shell. <laughs> so air? Soft and mushy. and that's... Soft and mushy. Yeah. Not quite how I thought of you. but Or maybe just fine. an empty hermit crab shell. Yes. <laughs> with no no substance. Just really airy. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, and I kind of felt that way about all extroverts, which was <laughs> not right. All extroverted women who made dumb jokes. I was like, there's nothing more to them. And then all of a sudden, I was like, huh, you know, I think I'm kind of attracted to Joanne. I was like, this is weird. So I, we had been good friends. It's not like I didn't see any redeeming qualities in her. I just wasn't romantically attracted to her before that point. Well, I would qualify good. We were friends. We didn't really hang out a ton, maybe like once every two weeks in college. Where it's where you're hanging out with like five friends a day. Yeah. I mean, when you're hanging out, like five. Okay, I'm like, hanging. Once out. every two weeks for me, that was like. You you guys were hanging out, Joanne. Right. No, we were not that hanging. We were hanging out. No, we were we would always hang out in groups. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know if anyone really thought we would be a thing. I think one of it was Jenny trying Jenny, to set us up. Yeah, Jenny was into it long before we were. Well, I thought you liked me over the summer, and then we had... L- I had no idea. And, and this was right before I started dating the second Like, girl. I started avoiding him because I felt so awkward because I didn't know what I wanted. So I would see him, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is when he's going to ask me out. And so I, I would, like, no run idea. away, or I would bring a third party into the room so that he wouldn't do it. 
and uh absolutely no and then the school that was at the end of the summer and then at the school year started and we had lunch and he was like I'm gonna ask this girl out and I was really sad because I thought he liked me but it turns out he didn't men especially immature men are often oblivious (laughs) and there were some things I still had to learn after I after I dated Emma the second girl I was talking about Mm -hmm. I what she helped me do not as much in that moment but more afterwards upon reflection she really taught me um like sent me on the journey to be more courageous be more confident in myself sure of myself and you know active as a man Mm -hmm. and so yeah before that I I really wasn't good at noticing cues like that but anyway I you know I started to think more about Joanne and I'm like huh this is weird but yeah, I can kind of see how this will work. Like, I'm attracted to Joanne. I don't know if this is going to be the best thing, but, you know, it's worth a shot. But then I'm like, wait a minute. It's two weeks after we've broken up. Mm-hmm. It, is this a rebound? So I overthought it for, you know, a solid week. <laughs> spent some time in prayer, the old Franciscan thing. Yep, discernment. Or like a lightning bolt. And I talked to our friend Ginny, who, of course, had tried to set us up, so... She wasn't exactly an unbiased party. Yeah. <laughs> she basically said, you know, it sounds like you, you're really thinking about this and like you have reasons. You're not just rebounding. So, you know, if you feel comfortable, go for it. Because I like, you know, I had reasons for being attracted to Joanne. It wasn't just Obviously. like, suddenly I need a new woman. Can you get the monitor and figure out why it's beeping? Because that will come in in the background. And Yes. I have to plug in this monitor. BRB. Who's your sponsor? Go, go. Who's my sponsor? Oh, sponsored by Whole Foods 365 ice cream, cookies and cream flavor. Ooh. Uh, smooth, creamy, and almost fits in your budget, unlike every other brand at Whole Foods. <laughs> if you use promo code JAM2020, you get an additional 10% added onto your order for a reason that we don't understand. They're anti-sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was good, Joanne. Thank Buy you. Some different ice cream. Thank you. I was just eating that ice cream. Wow. So it was, uh, I mean, it tasted like Kroger. I mean, it was fine. Not, it didn't taste as expensive as it was i mean it wasn't terribly expensive it was probably like 50 cents 75 cents more than i could have got it somewhere else okay but no i mean i think it was it was standard ice cream it was no ben and jerry's no no ben jerry's it was no jenny's it was no you know graders it was just regular grocery store ice cream yeah, ice cream maker. That's what I would like to be sponsored by, so I could get one for. Okay, go no, back. back to our regularly scheduled program. Hello. So I had determined that this wasn't a rebound, mm. and as you do, I just happened to be eating dinner at the same time as Joanne in the chapel office when she was working at the desk, and nobody else was there. You asked me. Did to, I? Yes. Because yeah. I remember. 
wanted to eat dinner? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I was working the desk on a Saturday covering for someone else. I had just gone to Pittsburgh with Maddie. Surprise. I had to come back for my desk shift. Hmm. She was like, ah, Dave texted me and wants to have dinner, I guess. That was it. going on? I think I was probably texting you for a few days, like being generally friendly. You texted me weird stuff. And I remember, because I remember... At the time, I was was an intern at um, Eastern Ohio Correction Center, the women's facility, which was like a 45 minute to an hour drive away from school. So Mm -hmm. every day we drove 45 minutes to an hour. I don't remember how much it was up to and then back. And then once you spend all day with these people and you spend two hours in the car every day with them, you run out of things to say. So we would just play music and sit there in silence. And I remember like driving back or one of these drives back because we it was three of us and we would carpool um, that I would just think about. I was like, Dave keeps texting me. What if he likes me? What do I think? Like, I need to figure it out now. Which, I mean, I feel like was a typical Joanne girl thing to do, but. We thought too much about this stuff. Yeah. Don't worry about it. The moral of the story is don't Just think this dates. hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wish that people could see your face, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I realize I'm going to give lots of nonverbal cues here. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue. No, that's fine. Yeah, um. So I told her in a semi-awkward way, like, hey, I'm interested in you. Don't really know how interested. Do you feel okay? Because if you feel the same way, we could hang out for a little while, maybe go on some dates, but, you know, maybe not. I don't know how interested I am. Yeah. This isn't a rebound, by the way. <laughs> it was basically like that. I'm interested in you. And she was like, um, this is a little weird, but I guess I do kind of feel the same way. And I knew that he was, like, not bullcrapping me because... I was in a, like a pretty nice, it wasn't a nice dress. It was like a cotton dress and a hoodie and a Snuggie because it was really cold in there. So oh. I not looking too fly. <laughs> I'm awkward. And he thought you was the flyest you'd ever looked. I guess. Because, well, no, he was just interested. No, he wasn't I mean, really, really attracted. Like, I was attracted. Nah. It was just like <laughs> enough to to like get me on the path not like i want to date this girl right now like hey she's pretty good looking she's pretty good natured this could work out good looking good natured good nature make him in tennessee homegrown that's true homegrown Massachusetts. oh would you please leave that out of it okay what do you say no, you said something about Tennessee, and he was like, homegrown in Massachusetts, little known fact. <laughs> Grown in Massachusetts, I'm from the cultivated South. in Tennessee. I'm from the South. Keep That's going. That's right. She is from the South. <laughs> Keep going. Quip about how Joe Biden's from Scranton. <laughs> Stop. No, that's not funny. She's really from Delaware. <laughs> No, I really. He lived in Scranton longer than I lived in Massachusetts. Okay, so if Joe Biden is from Scranton, then I am not from Massachusetts. Keep <laughs> that's this fair. Is you so win. dumb. You win. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we started. We had hung out after that a couple times. I think just to like hang out one on one because in college a lot of the time you just hang out in groups, mm-hmm. so you don't end up getting to know each other super well that way often. You know, you really got to 
see each other one-on-one. -on -one. So we did that. And then I asked her on a date. She said yes, which is good. Because if not, I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing right now. <laughs> probably live in somebody's basement. Probably live in <laughs> no, I mean, I live in a bedroom. It just wouldn't be a very nice one. Um, in any case, yeah, we went on a date. It was really awkward. I made her lunch. I think I did like fried chicken. It was pretty much the only thing I knew how to make. Um, I don't even remember what the side dish was. Oh, it was your signature. Chopped up peppers. Yeah. With too many seasonings. Chicken and <laughs> And um, can you please, what? can you just leave food out of it it's for one second? It's category of food. One second. <laughs> Everything has to be categorized dish. into some toxic group. <laughs> So that's a I actually, I really just meant that as a neutral term. And Spanish right. rice. Spanish rice. That's right. Pablo taught me how to make Spanish rice. Mm -hmm. That's what I tried to do for that day. I believe it was decent. It was decent. However, then we drove to Hobby Lobby. Yeah. Sounds like Joanne likes crafts. Hobby Lobby is pretty good, right? Wrong. Why is that wrong? It's a 30-minute drive. We're both a little tired. It's kind of warm. Dave doesn't usually like to turn the air on in his car because he's an idiot. <laughs> and so he drives. I forgot jo about this. He drives Joanne in his 2003 Honda Accord yeah. to another town half an hour away to Hobby Lobby because she likes crafts. <laughs> we barely talk about anything on the way there. Tired and hot. Then I didn't know what to say. There. It was so awkward. Neither did I. I knew even less what to say. <laughs> so we went to Hobby Lobby. We walked around. I think we made some small talk. We made a little jokes. I think I asked you, like, if you were a felon, like, what would you be in jail for? No, I, yeah, we asked that, and you told me it would be for public urination. Did I say that or public He's, nudity? No, public urination. <laughs> right. So that's what you would go to to jail for or what if I was a felon, what did, would he think that I was in jail for? And he said, without missing a beat, public urination. What did you think I would go to jail for? I don't know. I couldn't decide. I was I was reeling from your comment. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and meanwhile I was farting up a storm. Yeah. Um, he crop dusted me in the yarn section. Are you are you still there? Oh yes. yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. No. I forgot I was hoping that you would say that otherwise I was going to insert it because that was my favorite part when John like he crop dusted me in the yarn section and this is I just this is something that, that all people should know really we can say all men but really all people should know this people will smell your farts <laughs> even if you think for years that they don't I didn't know that people smelled my farts until we were married. What? No, we were dating, and I was okay. Like, you're right. Until we were dating, we had a long but conversation. Do you know how many years <laughs> I was just putting it out there, walking away? People were like, "Where the heck did that come from?" No, we At least always two years. knew. So that's, that's for people who don't know what crop dusting is. Crop dusting is when you fart and then you move. So you like bring it with you and it hits like people in like a wave. It's like a wall of fart hitting you. So just in the same way that like you can Google it. An airplane like goes over crop fields and dusts them with pesticides and stuff. <laughs> that's what you're doing with your fart. 
And I thought it was like, I thought the way it worked was I fart, I move three feet away. It's in all that three feet. Then I move three more feet, three seconds later, and bam, there's nothing else there. It's gone. Yeah. No, not out Nobody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. It was a joke. Especially on a date. We would talk about it being crop dusted by Dave because we worked (laughs) on the liturgy committee. So we'd be in the back of mass. And there was like, just not everybody, just a few of the people that were on the, in the group, we all knew it was the same time of mass. He always did it. But now this is a, this is just a 10 second plug. I think it was Jerry. But now I'm a carnivore and I don't do that because I have great digestion. (laughs) All I have to say. I think it was Jerick that turned to me one time during mass and he was like, I am so sick of getting crop dusted by me. And this is how you find your wife. (laughs) Just crop duster in the yarn, yarn section. You'll have her yeah. life. So, as I believe Joanne told you, she went home from that date and she was like, what the heck? This guy's really awkward. Wait. Maybe I want to date him again. So, here's the other awkward part of that date. Is they were walking around Hobby Lab and he's like, I'll buy you something. And I'm like, well, I don't really need any craft things. And I'm on a first date, so I don't know what to, like, ask this yeah. guy. Or like, do I ask for a $20? Do I ask for like a $2 thing that I'm never going to use? Like, what do I do? So because I wasn't asking for anything, I think at one point, like Dave picks up something along the way. And I was just like, okay, like, I don't know, maybe he's got like a need for this or whatever. So we get in the car or we're getting, he's taking, he's walking back to the door after the date. And he's like, oh, I forgot. I got you something at Hobby Lobby. Like, let me go get it. And he has to run back to the car. And I'm standing in the doorway waiting for him to come back. And he comes back with it. And he bought me a bag of melting chocolates because <laughs> saw that they were chocolates and wanted to get me chocolates. Oh, Dave, you tried. Um, it was sweet, but anyway, okay. Yeah. We were learning. Um, I was learning. I don't know. Maybe Joanne was much more experienced. Although she hadn't no, dated anyone before. I hadn't dated anyone before, so not somehow really. I end up dating more people than my wife, even though I've only dated three people in my life. Wow. In any case, um, okay. You've been yeah. talking for thirty minutes. I just want you to know. All right. Baby, home. Continue. Yeah, she basically she was freaking out. We had a conversation, and we were like, "That was pretty crappy," but we're willing to keep trying. And so then I asked her on another date. It was relatively normal. I think we went out to a restaurant, and then we went back and watched The Prestige at your house. That's true. We watched. What was my favorite movie? The Prestige. Still a pretty good movie. Um, yeah, so we decided that was good enough to give it a go, and then we went on more dates, and it went really well. Well, then the third date was really great. We went to an art museum and then had Burgatory. And then on the way back, he whips out of the side panel of his door while driving a copy of Love and Responsibility and was like, let's read this part on friendship and talk about our relationship. And then when we parked the car, he's like, do you want to marry? I mean, do you want to go out and be my girlfriend? Aww. That's true. Yeah. What? Did you kiss her at that point? Oh, no, no. No, That is a whole other story. I didn't know how to do that. Physically, (laughs) didn't know how to do it. (laughs) It's No, that was like four months in. And that was only after I was like, do you like want to kiss me or not? Like I had a whole conversation. I was very And it just so happens. And this is how our relationship works from time to time. She asks me like if I'm going to do something. And as it turns out, I was going to do it like a day after she asks me. 
But I don't believe that. The punch. No, it really does happen. I'm just, I'm just a slow moving turtle. No, because when I said, I was like, so do you want to kiss me or not? And you were like, oh, yeah, we could try that. And I was oh, like, maybe are you I wasn't kidding thinking me? about it at that time. Who knows? I was like, are you kidding me? And then it was just. Yeah, I mean, Emma and I dated for three and a half months and we didn't kiss because I was learning the wonders of hand holding. <laughs> and wow. like, Putting In- your arm around someone, I was like, "Wow, what a rush!" This is crazy. Oh my gosh, I'm editing this out. This is so embarrassing. We I'm can't so post scary. this whole episode. Is so- are you kidding? What? This is good. This is the good stuff. This is, this is a public. Podcast. Give the people what they want to hear. That your mom could listen to. Physical stimulation. Do you want to know that she? <laughs> Have you ever been hand holding with stimulating? You know, like somebody shakes your hand and you feel that connection. Yeah, I that's think that's what everyone about. thought about when you said, "Wow, hand holding, how stimulating!" I'm sure they thought about the stimulation in your hand. Yeah, because I'm talking about hand holding. You're not mature <laughs> enough to think about the actual words that someone says when they say something. This that's is a sexualized. Huh? <laughs> We're cutting all the stimulation talk out. If my mom listens to this, the last thing I want her to hear you say is stimulate. Just put it in the description. <laughs> mom, don't listen to this. <laughs> I'm going to get all the moms on here listening to it. It's a good tactic, actually. Yeah, so I, I asked her out on the third date. I really wanted to do that explicitly because men don't really do that anymore, I find. You know, you kind of just date for a while and then you're like, hey, what are we doing? Are we dating? Are we still friends? Are we getting married? And the guy's usually like, uh, I don't know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so I tried to be intentional about it, even if it was awkward, which it kind of was. But yeah, so we started dating. And then maybe like three months in, because we, we worked together for, I don't know, like 40 hours at least over the summer you know, per week. And so we got to know each other fairly well. We were hanging out, you know, in the evenings, that sort of thing. And so by about three months into our dating relationship, you know, we had already been friends before we started talking about marriage, just like kicking it around, trying not to put too much pressure on it, but basically like, Hey, like, let's think about this. Let's talk about this casually together. Like how many kids do you want to have? Do you want to have kids? Um, what do you see home life being like? Just like, what does marriage look like to you and what are your priorities? Mm-hmm. So we talked through that for, I don't, I don't know. Time, time gets a little fuzzy, but probably like, I don't know, seven months or so. We talked through more specific things. At that point, she had gone to Phoenix, Arizona. We had become long distance. Just trying to keep it together. Um, and I can, I can go into more detail about that, but I know I've talked for a while. And um, eventually we determined like, you know, we really have the same values. Like we like each other. We're people who really work well together, even though we have pretty different personalities. And we believe the same things about God, about the world, about marriage. And we have the same goals. So it just makes sense. And we were of the mindset that like, if you know you want to get married, if you know what marriage is, you know you want that, you know you want that with this person, then just do it. You know, it doesn't really matter how, you know, like financially stable you are. It's not going to 
put you in the tubes to live with another person. Like all that can do is really help you. Like, yeah, you know, who, who does, who does like the laundry and, you know, you, you squeeze the toothpaste from the back and you squeeze it from the middle. Like those aren't big deals. If you know you want to be married. Is this about how I squeeze the toothpaste? No, it really isn't. No. I was just giving an example. Um, let's check it. Anyway. Well, I guess my only caveat to that would be that understanding like what financial contribution like your parents might give to your wedding or being okay with a smaller one that might be more in your budget. Like, because you did bring up the financial aspect. And I think that if you're looking at like, well, I wish I had like, you know, X income, you know, when I get married, that's not as important as like, can I afford like the wedding part? Mm-hmm. and am I willing to make concessions so that I can afford the wedding part and like can I afford whatever it means like to move to that place or da 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 like just the simple like being financially responsible but not like well I need to be able to be making this much money because we made like zero yeah. dollars when we were first married That's true. and we I mean and a lot of people do that and I it's like it's okay yeah Dave worked at Staples making barely above minimum wage and I was in grad school working two nights a week mm-hmm. at like a food runner. So yeah, I mean, we did not have, I, we were living off government loans, basically. No, um, not basically. That's what we were doing. Okay. We were living <laughs> off government. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't think it was like the, the greatest time of our life, but I also think that we were better that we were together for it. So, yeah, and that's the whole point. Like it, it's, it's really about your vocation and it, it all comes from how you understand that. Like, if you're discerning your vocation in a real like prudent sense, which means not just like thinking about it forever, but acting mm-hmm. on it, then you know what it is you're aiming at and you're aiming for this state in life. You're not aiming for a wedding. Mm-hmm. Like the wedding is how you get married and you're aiming to be married. And so, you know, like, okay, so obviously it's not ideal if you get married and you can't afford to live together or something. I'm not really sure how that would work. But, you know, I could see it could be possible. Yeah. But you can't afford to live in the same house or something. But it's still better to be married, to be fully united to each other. If you know, that's where you're supposed to be than to not. Like, why would you just spend time in limbo, frustrated that you're not where God's calling you to be? Mm-hmm. That's the point. I hear that. That's why I got and married. That's like, I've been married in three months. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. And that's kind of how it happened for me, too. Like as, as I started dating and especially as I started dating Joanne, it was less like marriages for me and more like this person is for me. Mm-hmm. And if God's calling me to this person, I'm supposed to be with this person for the rest of my life. Like this is marriage. God's calling me to marriage. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I did not find that he called me to marriage in general. You know, he called me to Joanne. Mm-hmm through like fits and starts, you know, I dated these two other girls and they helped me learn things that if I hadn't learned them before, Joanne and I would not have worked out. Um, And then he led me to Joanne and throughout the process, you know, there were moments here and there of peace where, you know, deep down I understood that like, this is working out. This is a good thing. When you're with her, you're at peace. Your struggles are made lighter you work well together and things just make sense. And that's not just because you feel happy or fuzzy inside. That's because there's something really right about this. 
Yeah. And I think like, as you were talking, I was thinking of, you know, even Maddie, like in our stories with other people that we were like either, you know, had crushes on or were in relationships with or whatever, like, I think there's really something to be said about the time in our lives that they were present in our life. Like, you know, if you were to date one of your exes today, would your relationship potentially be a lot better and, and maybe could end in marriage than if you had dated them, you know, however many years ago. And I think that that is really true. And I think it's something that's so hard to like accept when you're like, I really like this person and I don't understand like why it's not working or da da da. And, or just even accepting that, like, if I would have met him a year ago, like maybe we would be like more compatible or whatever, like, and accepting that God didn't put that person in your life at that time when you would have been more compatible, he put someone else, you know? And so like, Mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, the reality is you can't like him and ha over what if, because you don't, truly know like it still might not have worked out Um, but like recognizing that his divine plan is seen in the timing as well Mm -hmm. and the timing of these people coming into your lives because even I was telling we had some friends over for dinner tonight and I was like it's crazy to look at like your maturity and how it has to line up with this person that you end up marrying because if I had dated Dave a year or six months earlier I would not have married him Mm -hmm. I would have been like no like I can't like I don't have the patience to put up with these like quirks or these things that like you know he has grown so much in Mm -hmm. um but I also think like if I had dated um that person like the person that he is well I guess uh, he wouldn't be the person that he is without like our mutual influence now I guess but Mm -hmm. anyway if I dated him any sooner I wouldn't have given the time of day yeah Um, and I think that if it had been later then I would have I don't know something different but you know so like yeah respecting the time that these people come into your life and being okay with the fact that like like maybe it was only the timing that was off but that's a huge part of it too yeah I mean basically to for something like this to work what I think needs to happen is you need to be not necessarily young enough but you need to be open enough to grow Mm -hmm. sacrifice for the other person but you need to be firm in your identity enough to be mature. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't there before I dated Joanne. Mm -hmm. I was getting there, but I wasn't quite there. But that's, that's where you need to be because you need to know who you are, but you need to be able to still progress to who you're fully supposed to be with the other person. And that's something I've been really grateful for, you know, just from dating you know, being engaged to and then being married to Joanne in part because we're young enough in part because, you know, we had those, those attributes, we've kind of grown up together. Mm -hmm. And so the person we become is just like inseparable from our relationship. I think, you know, we wouldn't be as like vibrant people if we weren't married to each other and we hadn't started dating when we did i like that because you guys are more vibrant together yeah and that's another thing too like people notice that and that's a good sign if you're dating someone and and when you're with them everybody else is having a great time and they're like wow these two are a blast or i i don't know if you're like two brooding introverts like wow these two people are really profound or something (laughs) (laughs) probably good 
the vocation director for the National Dominicans at the time, I don't know if she, she is now, but she once told me when I was starting my whole like discernment journey, she was like, your vocation is supposed to help you become more of who you are meant to be like more or more of who you already are or, or something like that. Like it brings out you more fully. Um, yeah. And I mean, that is definitely, I feel like my experience in marriage and like a continual confirmation, you know, cause I do think even being married, like I remember right after we got married, you know, you start to wonder like, did I make the right choice? Like I'm freaking out. And it's, it wasn't necessarily rooted in like, Oh, like, you know, on yeah, day one, he started, engaged, he no. started beating me or something like, no, like it's not, you know, rooted in anything like that, but just rooted in like our, I feel like our own sinfulness of like, uh, is this really, or not even sinfulness, but our own like overthinking anxiety about like, did I make the right choice? Like, like even when it's a done deal, it's still like scary. Yeah. And your insecurities and everything start creeping in it's like I would imagine like being newly married is a very vulnerable place to be like no matter how like vulnerable it was when you were dating or as you were getting to know each other and being engaged I imagine it's this whole like new layer of the onion being peeled and it being exposed I've never been married so I don't know for sure but that's what I would think however for me um so I guess Joanne just talked about like anxiety right after being married. I didn't really experience that. I experienced it right before being married mm. because we were engaged. We knew what we wanted. Uh, there was a lot of tension during that period of like, we know where we want to be, but we're not there yet, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but right before I just started having anxieties and doubts as far as like, you know, what about these women that you've been interested in before? You know, what about some of your other friends who are women? Like what would life be like if you were married to them or whatever? And ultimately, like, you can think about that after you get married, too, because you're really, like, in it. And in that case, you know, sometimes the temptation's brought into higher relief. Mm. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, maybe things would be different if you're married to someone else. I mean, they would be. Would they be better? I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. But that's not really the point. Like, Mm. you're supposed to be with this person. This person makes you more of who you are. They make you better. You know, God's calling you to this person. You're there. You're married. And you have this peace. So you know that whatever anxieties come your way, you know, they're not the truth. They're just distractions. Mm-hmm. I've been done. But yeah, I'd say I experienced that more before marriage because it was like, you're about to do this. Like, there's no going back. Yeah. Um, are you sure you're making the right decision? Yeah. And deep down, I think you know if you are. That's true. And I think that's a good thing to call out. Like asking those questions and having the doubts aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's like whether or not you listen, if you you choose to listen to like the truth of the peace in your heart that you know is from the Lord, or if you choose to listen to the distractions. But the distractions themselves aren't inherently wrong right yeah, that's right and i think that's good for, for for men to hear as well i remember someone saying i don't know who it was or what context but saying that basically men know what they need to do they just have to do it mm-hmm. 
And I think that's really helpful for men in their vocation. Like for, for most men, like, you know what peace feels like, Mm -hmm. you know what it feels like to really be in a, a healthy and holy relationship. Like once you're in it, you know, you might not have experienced it yet, but you know, a good thing when you have it. And generally like, you know, when it's a good time to step out and make that commitment and get engaged or get married. So you just need to be attentive to that, tune into it and actually act. Hmm. Then distractions come, but you really know what's at the core. You know, they shouldn't bother you that much. That's great advice. Well, I'm so glad you guys got married. Wow, thanks. Me too. I'm excited for you to get married, Maddie. Yeah. Me too. And then you can all your sage wisdom. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how much sage wisdom I have. Well, I'm excited for you to be like newlywed because I mean, it was not that long ago that we were like super newlywed. So I still remember it pretty well. It's not like, oh, 10 years ago. But um, I don't know, like it's and it's fun to see different people's like perspective of it you know I know that people that definitely agree with me when they're like wow this is a huge transition and it's really hard and you hate them on week two and blah blah (laughs) whatever you know and then other people like when Anna got married I was like so you know I was like a month in I was like so like how's it going And she's like feels really normal like feels the same and I was like are you kidding me like (laughs) it was so phlegmatics married each other what do you expect I I know it's true and I mean it does feel like the same in the sense of like oh like now this person is just more ingrained into my life like and i'm not going out of my way to like be with them but it's also different when you like have someone else in your bed every night and like have to share the mirror above your one tiny sink and yeah i didn't like sharing the mirror but the bed thing was neat for the first like week or so i would wake up and i'd be like this is wild (laughs) (laughs) there's a person in my bed (laughs) There's a walk-in in my pocket. <laughs> yes. Dave, do you have any last words to share with last. the men and the women, probably mostly women, who are listening to this? Maybe men. Maybe we have a good men base of listeners. We don't know yet. Used to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll speak to the men. I feel more comfortable doing that. Calm down. Ask her out. Trust yourself. Be confident. Don't be a jerk. If you know you should be married, get married. Don't worry too much about it. Satan's not that powerful. That's all I got. Those are good words of wisdom, Dave. I feel enlightened. Sure. That's good. Sometimes I I think to myself, would an idiot do this thing? And if the answer is yes, I do not do that thing. Dwight Schrute. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I think that concludes our part three vocation with Dave. So it's good. We had some lady vocations, a man vocation. Um, I don't know. I'm so tired. (laughs) We hope that you gleaned something from our experiences, just raw sharing what happened. And if you have questions or comments, 
follow us on Instagram. Leave some comments in the comment section on this page. We'd love to hear from you. And maybe someday I'll get my shy future husband to speak on the podcast. But yeah, there's no guarantees. <laughs> oh, one day. It, it, one no day. Good. There's no good reason for him not to do this. <laughs> you don't know him. You're right. But I know that much. Oh, he knows that much. There's no, there's no good reason. All right. Well, friends, have a great week. We're glad to be here with you. Leave us a comment, too, of who you think should be our next guest. Dave mm. has the honor of being the first, but who do you want us to speak with? Sky's the limit. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>